You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous, the podcast about Broadway flops, scandals, and new work. Now, we'll take a break from our usual episodes to bring you this intermission sode. What's up, Theater Geeks? What is up? What is up? What is up? It's an intermission, Stiode. We've had a lot of those uh, lately, but a lot's been going on. So it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Listen, life. But but also, like, a lot's been happening in theater. Yes. yes. Like, a, a lot of stuff. And so um, we that's another reason why we've mostly been doing intermission sodes, because there's just a, like, a lot to talk about. So much. So much. I feel like it's so, I mean, it really is interesting. And one of the things that we'll talk about, I was reading the story attached to it. And Mm -hmm. part of that story said something along the lines of um, how when 2020 hit and theaters had to close, you know, they closed, but then they were like, okay, but we've still got the prospect of reopening and then we'll be fine. But like three years down the line, they're not making the same amount of money that they were making in 2019. Right, right. So even though the pandemic is over, well, has been deemed over. Right, even though COVID's still running rampant. (laughs) COVID is still running rampant, but all of the um, limitations and restrictions have been taken away. Mm -hmm. Even though that has happened, all of these theaters and companies that didn't, you know, that were probably just living off of donations mostly before 2020 aren't able to recoup anymore. So they're slowly fizzling out and it's, it's really sad to watch, but now it's not even the small companies. Like these are large companies, these, you know, Oregon, Oregon Shakespeare festival. And Mm -hmm. uh, what was the other one that you had, um, Looking Glass. Looking Glass in Chicago. That was the one that surprised me the most. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because Looking Glass was like, uh, it was a big deal. When I was living in Chicago, it was a big deal. And so, and because it has been around for 30 something years. Yeah. The fact that it's, it's starting to fade is just like, it's really sad. It really is. Yeah. And, and yeah, you also, you were about to say the the public is. And the public. Is having um, some difficulties too. Um. So I, I will say, um, let's start off with the closings and then we can get deep into, um, some of these regional theaters and what's going on there. So, um, the first show we'll talk briefly about is the sign in Sydney Brewstein's window. Um, if you all 
have subscribed and if you or and or follow, depending on which platform um, you use to listen to us, then you will have seen that we reposted uh, Parade and we'll repost the Sydney Brewstein episode also so that you yeah. can listen to those because those were both revived for the 2022-2023 season on Broadway. Yeah. Well, um, but I think there are some other ones that we can probably repost as well. So we'll yeah, look, I'll sure. look through the, I'll look through our, our catalog. Sounds good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> definitely we've already reposted the parade episode. Um, and so that is closing in a few weeks. Yeah. And, and Pamela and I got to go see it. Oh, it was, it was remarkable. I was yeah. a max. <laughs> And I knew that this was going to be the case because I'm, I am already like just in my natural state an emotional human being, <laughs> <laughs> which is so nice because Ebony is not, we've had this discussion <laughs> I think on the air as well. Like she mm-hmm. does not cry. She does not, you know, she might feel something deeply, but she does not show it outwardly. I am the exact opposite. If I am feeling something, you will know it. <laughs> <laughs> And so the end of the show, and it wasn't even the end of the show. We hit a certain number in the mm-hmm. second act and I knew what was coming. Yeah. So I started crying preemptively. <laughs> yeah. They, they started all the wasted time. I was like taking it in. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Like mm. it was beautiful. Michaela Diamond, absolutely stunning. Ben yeah. Platt, really gorgeous. Like, yeah. and the two of them together worked really nicely. Yeah. And they, they, they ended all the wasted time. And during the extended final note, I started bawling because I knew what was next because I knew what was coming. And I knew that I was, I was just absolutely going to hate it. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's the show, right? Right. But I've never been so affected so quickly before. Yeah. Yeah. But I will also say too, and I think I mentioned this after the show, the transition between all the wasted time and the next scene is so fast. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize it was going, I didn't realize because like, they don't give you a chance to live in that kind of hope right. before they dash, they dash, them. dash all of your dreams, all of them, every single yeah. one of them. And so that did really surprise me. And I think too, I think that it is what helped my emotions yeah. along then in that case too. Yeah. Oh, so good, you guys. It really is. It's a wonderful production. We were sitting next to these, um, like we were <laughs> surrounded by what we think was probably like a school or something yeah. of, of young people. Yeah. And there's this really probably, sweet, yeah. yeah, probably. And there was a sweet girl sitting next to me. And like before the show started, I, I said, I was like, let me dig out my tissues just in case, because <laughs> I don't know what's about to happen. Or I knew what was about to happen. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Yeah. Um, because it was the first time I'd seen like a live production. Well, no, I'm yeah. sorry. This is the second time I've seen a live production of the okay. show. But um, I saw Dear Evan Hansen and what Ben can do with a song yeah. and a cry is bananas. And so I Truly. was like, it's anyone's guess. If I'll make it through this show. Um, and so uh, she she was so sweet. She was like, did you find them? Do you need any more? Like, I have some too. And I was like, no, I think I've got them. I think I'll have enough. She's like, if you need any more, like, I'll hand you some too. And I was like, thank you. She was so sweet. <laughs> they were a really sweet. They were, they were. They were like a delightful little crew of theater geeky kids um, yeah. who were very excited to see a very, you know, hard show. Yeah. Um. And then on the way there to the show, uh, 
I I was like, oh, this. Um, so one of my friends, her best friend, is in is in the show, and she and I are are friendly, mm-hmm. and so we were on the way to the show, and I was like. Oh, I forgot to text um, Kelly and let her know that like we were coming. Okay, well, I'll just say something. I'll just stay at the stage door. And I was like, and then uh, Pamela was talking about what the song that always brings her to like, like just wrecks her whenever she (laughs) listens to it. And it's the song that Mary's mom sings. And I said, who, who's, who's Kelly playing? And we looked, we looked it up and Pamela saw and I just cursed. (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah. I'm in trouble. It was really good. I loved the way they staged the courtroom stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Not just with Mary's mother, obviously, but like the three girls, like they, it was really, they did such a good job of making this kind of surreal onlay to the Mm -hmm. real action. Yeah. 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 And it made sense, like it didn't take me away from it. In fact, it it drew me in even more. And then when the real life kind of snapped back, you're like, oh, oh, that was fake. Like it's, and I obviously, you know that it's fake going into it, but it's like, well, I did because I know the show. Right. But like it's, there's, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this show and not just because of the protests that are going on right now with anti-Semitic and, and that kind of stuff. Right. There's a lot of controversy because- Leo Frank was Mm -hmm. accused and convicted and sentenced to death and had his sentence commuted and were they were in the process of trying to get it revoked altogether and get him pardoned and they were on the way to doing that right when he was lynched right but the idea that he was accused in the first place should never have happened right and because of the way this story is being told, mm-hmm. obviously some of it has to be artistic license. Right. I will say that the rabbit hole I fell down in 1998 when I first listened to it and decided that the internet was going to be my best friend and finding out all of the information I could possibly find out about Leo Frank was right. that on uh, on his deathbed, there was a man who said, no, no, I was there. It was not Leo Frank. It was Jim Connolly. Mm-hmm. And so in the process of telling the story, the the district attorney goes to Jim Conley and said, what did you remember about this night? Mm-hmm. Oh, you remember that? No, you didn't. Right. What did you remember? And like, just just under the, the threat of him being imprisoned and on a chain gang for a long, a longer time than he is already. Right. He just, okay, what do you want me to say, sir? Right. You know, so it's like, oh, it's the injustice of it. Like that, I think, and the way that this musical tells that story is really remarkable. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's such a great um, production. And again, like we're recording this on um, Monday, July 3rd, and it only has like a couple of weeks left. It's like the beginning of August or something like that, that it closes. So Um, If you're able to catch it, wonderful. Um, Everything we have said is historical. Yeah. So um, we, I'll have Pamela say spoiler alert, like in the beginning. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. She'll she'll (laughs) add that in in post, you know, so you've probably already heard spoiler alert. But like, again, if you don't, you know, this is historical fact. So 
But also, I don't know that I'm spoiling anything. I mean, I'm telling you, yes, that this happened, but... People don't don't know know the story at all. Because, like, some people go into the musical and have no... They've never heard the story. You know, like I told you, like, one of my friends grew up in the town, and, like, he learned about this story from the musical. Wow. Oh, yes. Yeah. Remember I told you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, And then... Uh, the sign in Sydney Brewstein's window closed on July 2nd, but I was able to go see that before it closed. That's right. Um, and that was a really great, that was also a really great production. Right. Um, I had only seen a reading of it, um, like several years ago. And that is why we did the episode and we've right. only done two podcasts about plays on the show at all. And that's one of them, Sydney Brewstein's window. And the other one is, um, significant other. And actually really proud. Those are the two that we have done. <laughs> Those are great choices. Um, and, and also like, you know, we're post pride, but like happy post pride, everybody. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, that, that production had Oscar Isaac and Rachel Brosnahan. Um, and, it 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 had like this really crazy like fast tra- transfer from Brooklyn Academy of Music to um to um the James Earl Jones Theater and the only reason that was able to happen is because of a show we talked about previously uh very briefly called Room the like which was supposed yeah. to go to Broadway and last minute was unable to and because that happened there was an open house that could um have a show open before the Tony Award cut off and then yeah. um because that happened uh the actress who was in Sydney Brewstein's window uh, her story okay so so Miriam Silverman um who plays um Iris's sister in in the play Mavis during the run like she's been doing Broadway and plays she's like a you know a regular hard-working sort of character actress and she's been doing this work for a really long time and Sydney Brewstein's window didn't get that many Tony nominations it got like probably three or four but only really one for um, acting. And during the course of her BAM run, her mother died. And um, that, to to continue that, and like I, I read this article where she talks about that happening and also the support that she got from her cast and the director and the producers and everybody just constantly supporting her. And also like her parents being like, no, you need to go like go to the theater. And then, you know, that how that whole thing like happened so fast in this season within the last few months where she's lost her mother and then like to win the Tony Award, yeah. you know, for it's it's like I that story so amazing to me. Um, you know, and and wonderful and beautiful and just you know one of the the highlights but the tony awards had many highlights there are several things we are very excited about like alex newell winning yes 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 yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like there's just like we were happy with so many choices. Yeah. <laughs> um that that was a joy to watch this year. It truly was. Um but I that that and that for me was one of them is to you know just see somebody who's lost a parent recently especially a mom especially to cancer which is like such a thing for me and um and to see her survive and then like thrive in this way is really cool um yeah so those are two of the shows and then one that I'm super bummed I did not get to because it just can't get to everything is fat ham that closed on the second I like we both wanted to see that but it's just like you can't make it you just can never make everything um and then life of Pi um has announced it's closing I have seen that thank god about this yeah me too because it's it is I have never seen anything like it period and it didn't get a chance no it's like it's it's like that, it yeah, just so it was up and then it was down. And it, the the videos that I have seen of this production are just so special. There are a couple more weeks, though, everyone. So if you are able to make it here and get to go see it, like I'm telling you, make it number one on the list because I'm telling you will not see anything like this show yeah, for a very long time. It is really, really special. It's beautifully done. Every single technical award that it won at the Tonys, it absolutely deserved. I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Um, and I also, one of my uh, T3I members now is playing, she on certain nights plays the tiger. And to like see the work that she, now that I've seen the show and know like where she is, I'm like, oh, I don't know how. I'm just in awe yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's bananas it's bananas the puppetry beautiful so absolutely gorgeous. incredible show um so if you can get to it I definitely recommend getting to that before it closes and then of course um this week Kamala also uh announced that it's closing it it's closing later than the first announcement because it was meant to close in June and then they uh then they extended it to September and now it's sort of cut, split the difference. And now it's in July. So, okay. you know, it's not that that's not like a major. No, it's a little bit of a change, but it's like, again, it's split the difference. So, yeah. so it's closing in July. Um, All right. So now we're on to regional theaters and the theater industry Um, outside of, I mean, New York is also having a time um <laughs> but man uh there was another one that sort of popped in my head when we were at the beginning of this conversation talking about Oregon Shakespeare Festival Looking Glass Theater and the public um hopefully it'll come to me later on another in this conversation theater? yeah that that also um had announced some some cuts and some layoffs. Mm. But um, let's start out by talking about Oregon Shakespeare Festival. So um, I believe that I did mention about artistic director, director Nataki Garrett, like probably many intermission so to go mm -hmm. when I first learned about her story in Ashland 
and her needing a security detail because um, she was getting death threats. And so um, in May of this year, she decided to step down as artistic director. And um, the, the, I mean, bless her heart, like she got the job like 2019. Yeah. So she was only in it a handful of months until the pandemic hit, right? Yeah. And then, you know, she's sticking to her core values and is choosing shows that align with her core values and like what actually really needs to be uplifted. Right. And because of that, like many people in Ashland were not here for it. And that's why the death threat started coming because she was challenging a lot of folks views with the things that she um, was championing. And of course she was still also doing like Shakespeare, but like she was also, you know, presenting shows that like need to be uplifted by artists that don't get a voice very often or don't get a stage very often. And so she was like basically doing the Lord's work and they didn't like it. Um, and so, uh, that was one part of it. But then also there's another piece of it where um, there was like a changing of the hands with the executive director, the show, the Shakespeare Festival went into like these really like financial issues. Yes, because of the pandemic, but also again, because there were a lot of people who weren't here for some of the changes that she made that she, that needed to be made, frankly, I right. think. Yeah. Um. And so that meant attendance was not as high as normal. But I also don't know, you know, because we, we, because she didn't start at a time where we were sort of in regular theater mode, you know, if she had started yeah. in 2017, maybe things would have sort of panned out a little bit differently, yeah. at least in terms of like the tickets and like what sold and stuff. But she because would have had a it was chance to like set a foundation right. for herself. Totally, totally. And so, I mean, it's really hard to make positive change on extraordinarily shaky ground, yeah. like, like what we're seeing. I mean, we're also seeing massive layoffs with any sort of like IDEA officers, like so yeah. many have been laid off because of course, as, as we know, um, a lot of what was said in 2020 was just lip service and people weren't actually in it for doing the actual work right um and so now of course like people of color um are being scapegoated and or just like let go and we're probably like a lot of them for sure were not able to do the work and make the changes that needed to be made anyway well the thing is and this is true of anything that yeah. you have to take down to the ground to raise up again. Right? right. Right. If you, and she did, she set her, and I can't quote her exactly because I can't remember exactly her words, but the idea of what she said in the article that I read about her leaving was mm -hmm. theater needs to grow and go into a different direction right now. Yeah. It needs to. And, yeah. and there are people that are willing to do that. Mm -hmm, and that's kind mm -hmm. of how she left it, which also right. kind of made, you know, it, it made me believe that what she thinks of OSF is that they are not willing to grow uh -huh. and move forward. And I'm sure that if that's- If you're getting death threats, right. I need a security detail. Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. obvious. It is yeah. absolutely ridiculous. But 
you know, she came in in 2019 with the idea that she was going to Mm -hmm. raise it to the ground and build it up again so that it could grow and move with the times that you could Mm -hmm. get the audiences that uh, like the Gen Z audiences now, like those are the people that were trying to not even Gen Z. I think who's the, who's the generation underneath them, the youngest the youngest generation right now, not the youngest, but the ones, anyway, it doesn't matter. The ones that can't vote yet. Those are the ones that she's trying to pull into it because those are the ones that are going to affect as much change as we need them to affect at the time when it's appropriate. I thought it was Z because like we're, we're millennial slash Y, right? Like we're elder millennial slash Y. And I think it's the Gen Zers that are below us because we're elder. X, X. We're, we're the elder millennials slash X, Gen X, right? No. Zoomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, and then like double Y? Is that what I oh, remember? I have no idea. I only I know Z. I know, but no, like Zs are like voting age now. So like there is a whole generation below them and there might even be another one. I don't oh, know. like the babies? Yeah, well, no, I'm not talking about babies. I'm talking about like high school age-ish. Right. I guess maybe that would be Z still. I think that's still Z because I I was like when I was looking at the time for the the age gap, even my niece, who's like 11, I think was still Z. She might be low Z, but she's you know, she's 11. So I I think they're still. I think they're still pretty young because our Y slash millennial is a huge gap. I mean, look, yeah, we're, we're in our 40s and we're in there. Yeah. Although remember when, when we weren't even part of any generation, there used to, it used right. to be that we would be considered generation next, which was like the whole Pepsi campaign. Do you remember oh, that? Yes. Because we weren't millennials. We were too old to be millennials. Right. That was what we were told. And then now all of a sudden we were like forced into this millennial group, mm-hmm. which was like, which is fine. But it's yeah. also at the same time, we're like, we were nothing until like five <laughs> years ago when you decided that we were millennials. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm not bitter. <laughs> oh, goodness. No, we were generation next. Next. That's what I we forgot were. about that Pepsi yeah. commercial. That's right. <laughs> oh, bless. Anywho, oh, but so my point in saying that yeah. was like that was the audience that she was trying to right, right to beckon bring in, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to do that, you have to make a mess of it first. If you've ever tried to like organize an apartment, yeah, even just one closet, you have to take everything out and sure make do. the biggest mess before you're able to see what you have and you can put it back or get rid of it as you know, respectfully, right? Right. She was in that process. All Mm -hmm. she had done for the year that she was there before the pandemic was empty the closet. Right. So of course people were not going to be happy with her. Right. And then the pandemic hit and suddenly she's at a major disadvantage Mm -hmm. because now not only has she completely emptied the closet, she doesn't have any money. Yeah. So, um, So what basically ended up happening then is like in May, she um, resigned and um, the theater was in a major deficit and needed about $2.5 million just to start their season. We needed a million and a half for the next day. Yeah. 
Yeah. I saw that news clip and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. They're like, if we don't get a million and a half dollars, we cannot open tomorrow. Yeah. Open Wild. our doors tomorrow. Like I know. It's like good grief. But they got it. They did. And then they needed another 7.5 to finish the season. And <laughs> they they went out, they they apparently raised even more than they needed. Hmm. So, so they're going to be fine at least for the rest of the, the, the season this summer. Okay. Um, and then the other theater we mentioned earlier was the looking glass theater. They're going to run until Mm -hmm. mm -hmm, in Chicago, they're going to run until April, 2024. And then they're going to do layoffs and put a pause on, on their season for an undisclosed amount of time. And then, of course, we mentioned the public theater. Um, They have had a big round of layoffs and they are also um, they've put their under the radar festival on a, you know, pretty permanent pause. Yeah, I know they're saying that they're just pushing the pause button, but it also the way that he worded it, the artistic director worded it was that they're just looking for something different. Which yeah. tells me that they don't want it anymore. Which is, right. you know, 17 years is not an unhealthy amount of time to like have that kind of program up and running. Like that's really great. It, it you is. got to see new things, new shows, new performers, and different kinds of performances and shows. And um, so here's the thing that uh there there's a article at newyorktheater.me. Um, that's entitled Under the Radar Festival in Memoriam. Um, and one of the things that it mentions that I, I have seen, not just happening within the last three years, but happening, I would say, even within the last like 10 years, we're seeing a lot of these spaces for new work sort of dying, yeah. right? They're closing. I mean, if you remember back, like the New York Fringe Festival, like there's yeah. a lot of lot of places and spaces for people to showcase their new work. There's a lot of beloved musicals and plays that we are like sort of um, have massive followings now that were birthed from those those um, uh, spaces. And so it's it's a little scary, I will say to me and I know it is to other people who make theater to see this happening because uh, especially when I'm looking at the landscape I see um on Broadway I mean I do go to off and off off Broadway also um and regional also when I leave town I'll go see shows in in other states as well Mm -hmm. um but I'm seeing just like crazy amount of revivals and movies turned into musicals and Mm -hmm. things like this where we're really getting so afraid of doing new work um, and creating something new that we're just like recycling things a lot and And that's um, not lasting either because you look at something like life of pi which is based on a movie and it didn't last very long at all and a book you're right Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm a little, a little concerned. They just <laughs> not, they've, they, Broadway 
theater as a mm-hmm. whole mm-hmm. has become increasingly inaccessible mm-hmm. to actors, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to writers, mm-hmm. to directors. Well, maybe mm-hmm. not directors. I think they're pretty much <laughs> okay. Um, but just and to spaces. Yeah. It's become something that, you know, it's like, yes, you had your Broadway theaters, but, and you had your regional theaters, but you mm-hmm. also had your little black box theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Tiny little community theaters and, and like those, you know, those theaters where perhaps you're not, it's probably a nonprofit or at the very least you're paying your people very little to, to be a part of it. But like, you were able to do a lot more within those spaces because the stakes were not as high Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on a Broadway stage. You're doing a brand new show. If the stakes are too high, no producer is going to put it on a Broadway Mm -hmm. stage. Mm -hmm. And if the producer is going to, then the venue owner isn't like Mm -hmm. if there, if the stakes are too high, there's someone along the way that's going to be like, nah, too rich for my blood. But like those little theaters you had a low cost to keep your building up and running. Mm-hmm. You probably didn't have a huge amount that you were paying to to upkeep anything really. And right. so all of your budget could go into putting up a show yeah. that was a new work. Mm-hmm. And we just don't really have that anymore. I mean, my dad is trying yeah. with his, you know, Coalescence um, Theater is, a, is his project you know he loves it and he his idea in creating coalescence was to create a place where diversity and and new work could reign you know and but you know and I'm sure that they they're dotted around the country but Mm -hmm. those are the theaters that we need to support and those are the ones that have the least amount of support because all of the support goes to the bigger theaters that people think need it more right right so but also it shouldn't take that much money to put on a show. It didn't when we first started Broadway. So I don't understand why it has to be now. Well, I mean, we are talking some of its inflation. Definitely but millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I have a, I do have a bit more of an understanding now with the commercial theater yeah education that I that I have um and so I do understand why it costs so much now and some of it is you know like one thing that I do really like about the change and why it does cost more is I feel like um the contributions of the artists are put into contracts now where if you've originated parts like you do get a piece of the pie and um I mean, it's it's interesting because knowing that and knowing the way that I feel like writers are treated in the theater and like how it's so different in television and film, which is why the WGA is striking right now, you know, because in theater, the writer has the rights to their work. The producer mm-hmm. has a limited amount of time by which they can produce the work. And if they do not get it within the contracted amount of time, the rights go back to the writer. Right. And so um, that's that's not the case with with film and television, somebody purchased the rights and they can kill your show and never yeah. air it or not, you know? And um, and also like the WGA, they're fighting for residuals and there's just like all these things. And so there are certain things about the theater and and the way that, that budgets are broken down that I 
that I that I respect and wish was also a thing that happened in film and, and television to protect writers a little bit more. Sure. And so I understand why things cost more. But in and also in some cases, I'm like some there is a percentage of it that is about who has power. Mm-hmm. Um and Uh, some of it, I don't understand why we still function that way. And right. I do wish was changed. So, uh, I, you know, this is what I want to end with because I lo- like to, if we can end on a positive note is like, <laughs> go support the tiny little theater. Like I'm yeah. on the board of a theater that's tiny here in New York city and we do great work. I'm really proud of the work that we do and we're trying to grow in these like really hard times, but I think it's worth it. Colt Core, based out of Brooklyn, artistic director is Adrian Campbell Holt, who was on this podcast. So, um, you know, that's what I, that's what I will end with. Go support the tiny theaters, go support. Like I, I have an acquaintance that I did, um, some, uh, creativity workshops with who's like, she's trying to get her like one woman show up. So like I donated to that because I'm like, yes, new work, create new Mm -hmm. things for people of all body shapes. And her show's called Frizz. So hair shapes, you know, (laughs) (laughs) know? Um, and, and just like, you know, not, it's not only about Broadway. It's not only about these large multi-million dollar theaters. It's also about like, your community theaters. It's also about, you know, the artists that are within your friend group and community and like people that you can support. And just, I really encourage you all to always, as much as you are able to support um, local work and small spaces, because if we want to see change on larger scale and bigger spaces, we have to begin to support those things. I mean, just remember that like Lynn was doing in the Heights in the basement of the drama bookshop. Yeah. And there are people like Rosie Perez who went down in that basement and, and watched that show. And that's why he is where he is now. So you just support people are coming up and you just have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and really seek them out, but they're there and there's really good work coming out of uh, small, small spaces. Yeah. So that's it, friends. Yay. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank <you. laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Theater Geeks Anonymous. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGABWAY and on Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Theater Geeks Anonymous podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast listening apps. Your intermission sode has now concluded. Shut up, sit down, and turn off your cell phones. Or we'll tell Patty Lapone. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.